0: Welcome to the You Go First podcast. This is the place where we bring together thought leaders, business pioneers, personal development gurus, and just about any person we discover that will inspire and compel you to go first in all areas of your life. Please welcome keynote speaker, philanthropist, and the official head dream chaser for Odyssey Teams, Inc., our host, Lane Hensley.
1: You go first. (laughs) You go first. You go first. Okay, I'm gonna go first. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited today. we have in studio the mother of one of our employees or team members, the, the general manager of Odyssey, <clears throat> Jonas. We call him Jonas Herzog, but uh, but he, I know his Lithuanian name is Jonas. And uh, I am pleased to introduce you to Grigina, uh, and she is just I'm blow, blowing my mind right now. So I'm introducing to you uh, Grigina. Grigina. Who speaks seven languages, came from, uh, immigrated from Lithuania. She's going to tell some stories about um, escaping Lithuania and the German army and all those kinds of things. And the more when I've met you and and heard these stories, and Jonas has told me stories about you, I'm like, we got to have her on the podcast. Like, in the spirit of you go first, you have gone first to be a pioneer in so many ways. Not only as a mom and a grandma and an educator, you've been in education for some 50 years teaching Spanish and Russian and French, uh, and so I'm privileged to introduce all of you to Grigina, Jonas's mother and the grandmother, of course, of... Uh, of his children and just an awesome, awesome influence. We're so blessed to get to work with Jonas, and I just want to know more about how you became you and how that led into Jonas. So, can you start us at the beginning? Here you are, uh, and if you don't want to give away your age, that's fine. You can just say a long, long time ago I was born in Lithuania, <laughs> and this is what it was like. But can I'm, you tell I'm us a little bit? I'm fine with
2: my age at 85. <laughs> And the said, "I'm cutting it off at 90. That's
1: it." That's when you're gonna stop <laughs> revealing, okay? So you you 85 years ago, and that's actually the same age as my father, so that's very cool. Uh, you're born in Lithuania. What was it like? How many brothers and sisters? And what do you remember from your childhood? Just a, a few snippets, and then, of course, the the day the hey, we're moving, we're we're escaping Lithuania. And just give us a snapshot of that and then of course we'll fast forward to like as an educator and what you see in the world right now and pass along some of your wisdom and i'll, yes. I'll walk you through those things as much okay. as i can okay. so talk about your childhood
2: um as i was eight years old when i found out my sister and my brother came in and told me to pack a little suitcase we're leaving because the russians are coming to get us my father was in jail from uh, 39 to 42, and he was uh, going to be executed in 42 by the Russians. And in the morning, the Germans pulled the Russians back, and he was saved. He came back to us after spending, you know, the two years in jail, and uh, so my. Um, Because my father was so against Russians and Communism, we were on the list to be deported to Siberia. And my sister and my my, uh, brother decided that we have to leave. So we just left. We had a farm. We left everything behind. Just got a suitcase, got into a um, covered wagon type. we had, and a horse. And we left Lithuania, pulling away with the German army.
1: Like following Be- you behind, like just yeah, in the nick of time. Because
2: we were not uh, Jewish. They let, let us go. But if you're a Jewish, you couldn't do that. And many of the Lithuanian people who left Lithuania this way, uh, were gi- the Jewish people were giving their children away. Say, take, take them as one of you. Wow, so so they were saved from the Russians,
1: so you're the baby of the family, the darling child, yeah, probably. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, uh,
2: so and your did brother
1: I, and sister decide this your your yes, father my, my my
2: father had passed away a year before uh-huh he, and, he came from the jail, lived for a year, and then he passed away.
1: It was just you and your brother and sister working this farm. What were you farming?
2: my My mother was far the farmer, oh, okay. And when my father was in jail, they, they sent me away to my grandma's house and my uncle. And there I got an education. My uncle was very much into cussing around. So I'm, I was at that time six years old. And after a couple of months there, they picked me up. And they, I came out with cuss words that they were just absolutely <laughs> shocked, which they never cussed. You know? you, no, and, I
1: heard you say cussing around. I'm like, yeah. okay, so that's an eighth language. Then you learned uh, <laughs> you learned the, the sailor's language of cursing. Or,
2: or the ninth language when I was working in a Bisco uh, factory in the summer in Chicago. And I got education there also <laughs> with the English language.
1: Oh, my goodness. Anyway,
2: so that's where it was. Um, so I packed my doll, things that were important to me. And my brother and sister, and my mom packed documents and pictures because we can only put this in the suitcase what we can carry. Yeah. And I, in my teaching, I used to tell my students, this is all in Spanish class. I said, okay, your parents come in and say, we have to leave in an hour, pack your suitcase and what would you put in it? So it was quite exciting. And you know, wow. you look at your students and you, some look like they're not even paying attention. And then you go, the back to school night comes and the parents say, oh, we had an interesting conversation about your life. You know, that was oh, very interesting. Yeah. So that connection with students is very important. Yeah. Anyway.
1: Well, you know, in this era, we are so we have so much. Yes. Um, and I wonder if our listeners out there, you know, if they really thought, okay, you have a half hour to pack everything you want to really value in a bag and yes. we're leaving. Yeah. The Russian army is coming, the German army is coming, and you're squeaking out in the yes. middle here yeah. saying, yeah. we're going to America.
2: Yeah. Did yeah. you
1: know you were going to America at this point or you're just, we're getting no, out of Lithuania? If
2: no, no, no. We're just leaving Lithuania for a couple of weeks till the war was over. uh huh, And here we are. That's so many years some, later uh,
1: let's see 70 you know and they have written books now
2: which people say uh, expressing their experience of leaving for just temporary and people uh, digging uh, in the ground and putting their documents there and all thinking in two weeks we'll come back and we'll recover ah, it wow and we still have not come back and then of course all the all the property and everything was made into the coal hose like, like uh, the russian farmers that and and took all the properties away and just made you know a commune for for the russians
1: you know i, I appreciate this story because you know here we all think oh my gosh this is the worst the world's ever been and this is so terrible And all this, and the world has been through some terrible things i mean this is first of all you activated the treasure hunter and a lot of people just now that are like wait people were burying all their valuables in their hearts okay lithuania has to be metal detectors everywhere yeah. but uh, but you know we've been through a lot the world has been through a lot these terrible times this yes. russian german yes, lithuanian yes. these conflicts and somehow you squeak out just in the nick of time how do you get from being a, you know really sneaking out to then when did you come to america how did you get here a boat okay or how does that work
2: so we from there, we came, the horse and buggy we had to sell. We had a cousin who lived in uh, Linz, Austria, so we all g- gathered there. And then they found jobs. My mother, for example, ended up in working in the Nazi, uh, um, um, not restaurant, Nazi, for the Nazi army. Uh-huh. In the, re- like in, the,
1: uh, the, the mess hall or food. whatever. Uh huh. Yeah.
2: And that's and uh, any food that was left over, my mother could bring it home. So she fed us through that, you know. Wow! And, and, and so that's what was first, and then after the war, uh, we were put in uh, different displaced person camps, and we ended up in Schwäbisch part of Germany. And for the kids, it was fantastic. All our friends were next door, into the because we were in German army barracks so my friends were right next door to me next room over in our room for example uh, four families lived there separated by blankets that's the only privacy we had but again as a child it was fantastic because you're with your friends you don't really feel this
1: the the weight of this historical like we're escaping from history and for our non-historians out there the war was over which war are we talking about
2: second world war okay
1: <laughs> let's just say i knew that but maybe i didn't know that yeah you know, and, and now we're running from the germans and the russians but we're working in the german oh, cafeteria yeah, yeah, and so yeah. there's pockets of so safety. Again, did you feel you your were life was in, Jewish, de- in, in? you could
2: work in those uh-huh. places and they were you know accepting people and and you could you know and my cousin who had lived there he found different jobs for my sister and my brother mm.
1: What a what a reality just that you say just so plainly if you weren't Jew, jewish because if you were jewish you would be killed you would be
2: exactly you couldn't like as i said you know the jewish families they they saw what was coming so they said okay you're leaving take my son or my daughter as your own for example the the dentist in chicago lived in chicago for many years uh, was jewish and she was saved by, by a Lithuanian family coming
1: alongside a family, and yeah. they would just say, "Oh, and that's as, ours, as their that's daughter,
2: and, and and you know, starting her life there."
1: I mean, I, I just we're sitting in Northern California right now. Uh, you know, there's lots of like you get on social media and like, oh, the world's coming to an end, and, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, and the thought that if there was a group of people in California, and certainly there are groups that are discriminated against and all that, but there's no group that's like, if they know I'm part of this group, they will round me up and kill me, and, and yeah, that's just. Yeah the reality you say yeah yeah like that's how it was and, and what an amazing like those families out there that took those people in at risk to their own lives probably because Ab- they were absolutely, harboring absolutely. an enemy of the state or who, whoever was out to get them um and so many people was, putting their lives. and they in were lives. running
2: they were risking their lives too you know accepting them but they made it through it's amazing how pe- what people do to get through life yeah and and it's you can do it, you can do it yeah you have an example here <laughs> yeah and 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 she's posturing and to her
1: son Jonas, who's in the room with us here and yeah, and when we were first talking today, you mentioned the the, the the struggle in life, and Jonas has been obviously helping his wife Nani with breast cancer and everything that flows from that with his oh, family and what you um, know
2: everything is on his shoulders, and he's done beautifully.
1: Yeah, they've all done beautifully. You know, we prepare for these battles without even knowing we're preparing yes. for them. Often, yes, and yes. these qualities that were in you as a young girl, that were probably just magnified as you escaped, and now as you support your your son and his grandchildren, yes. and his wife through this.
2: Oh yes, it, it's you know that is my my support. My I dedicate my life to that because it's important you know to help them out Mm -hmm. so when we uh after the war we lived in displaced person camps and afterwards you know they were saying okay we have to find some way to to start life all over Uh, australia was the first ones uh, first countries to offer shelter for us and we were signed up to go to australia in the meantime i had a cousin who was franciscan monk and he was the monastery was in uh, Port and he found a Lithuanian, older well, Lithuanian lady who said, "Okay, I'll sponsor your family." So, uh, if you had a sponsor, you could come to United States. So we came with on uh, under um, Omar Bundy, the warship, and uh, and uh, we came to New Orleans. But our destination was Canebong Port. And of course, at this time, I'm thinking America, castles and princesses. In America. In America. <laughs> and we'll pull in Mississippi Bay. Where are the castles?
1: <laughs> Where are the castles? <laughs> okay, America. you just covered some stuff for me. Okay, so we think we're going to Australia. We get a sponsor. What are we talking about? $10 for a family or any idea how much that costs to sponsor you or to, to find yourself in Mississippi? It was like
2: Mississippi?
1: Uh, $160. And somebody, who do you know who sponsored your family? No,
2: it's just a... my cousin who was a monk knew her through the parish and she was willing to sign up. And he said, I'll be responsible for whatever expenses you have. But as long as they have that sponsor." ticket you know we were okay
1: people talk about moments where your life changes Australia or Mississippi yeah (laughs) and and somehow like how different would your life be if it had been Australia and I know without even knowing or if you hadn't left when you did and hadn't
2: and you know the Lithuanians and all other nationalities they went wherever they could to start life anew yeah and they knew they had to find something to do yeah And as I I said to Jonas, and I used to say to my students, what you learn, what you put in your head, nobody can take away. Mm. You can lose all your possessions. But what's in there, that's the important thing.
1: Yeah, wise words. Um.
2: And I, you know, like I had students that uh, in the 60s and 70s would not say the Pledge of Allegiance. And I would talk to them outside. They said, if you think it's so bad in the United States... And you don't like the government or whatever? Go live under communism, and then come back. How beautiful it um. is there compared to what you made <laughs> <hate> in Palo <laughs> You know, they come from rich families, yeah. well-to-do, and they just don't don't know what's happening in the world.
1: Yeah. Well, so. I appreciate that. You know, I've I've started a thought of like what, not who, because I think a lot of our our political environment is about who, 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 and yeah. really what. And what you're talking about is like what is america what could it be you know not who's pledging lead, li- who isn't but really what does it stand for like you said it's communism or it's this level of freedom that you were
2: exactly the freedom that that we have here and i love this country and and the my friends who have come over feel the same way you know this is our life-saving country we have we for example in, in high school uh, after i finished high school i went on to university of illinois and studied languages and other subjects and um our five-year reunion high school reunion the american girls came back with three kids and we the, the displaced person people who were for education came all came back with masters. <laughs> <laughs> so that was quite interesting uh, yeah, you know, I was, to see that.
1: Well, well like you said, and, and I think in that time, which obviously my mom is probably a part of that era of like, you know, you. You got through high school, you would get married, you would have some kids, you would start your white picket fence and all that. And like you said, like what we put into our mind is ours and really the value and the opportunity education brings. And you found yourself not only learning to curse, congratulations, (laughs) 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 and you, you've, you somehow, you speak seven languages. So you just picked up these languages and you, you you get your masters and then you start teaching. And so you've spent so much of your life giving people the gift of knowledge and education, uh, what do you see then versus now as far as the value of education?
2: I'm glad I'm not a teacher anymore. Mm-hmm. Because I don't see the, the, the installation of love for this country hmm. that we need to see. Interesting. You know, like my friends and I talk about that and we say, okay, we we'll live through it. What will happen to our grandkids? what are we teaching now in 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 the in the schools what we hear in the news so i have a heavy heart for that Mm -hmm. and i hope that things work out and and find a good wonderful way to solve all all what we have to go through
1: yeah it's certainly a challenging time i think you know here you are as a small child immigrating to a country you think there's going to be castles you know and you think it and in modern day, there would be no mystery. You would just check on your Instagram or on your Facebook or on your whatever, and you go, oh, no castles. You know, like, we, we're almost overwhelmed with the amount of information, and there's this innocence that the I think is technology
2: that has taken over the world, you know, and that has some good points, but also has brought in many questionable points, mm-hmm. you know, and that it's hard.
1: Well, like you said, not only to be a teacher, but to be a kid. Yeah, and now you know from COVID to social media to mental health and and all the challenges that they're facing are so different than
2: and you know how some of the students, especially in special ed and all, they need this everyday exposure to to, in classroom, and look who they've been, you know, steered away from it, Mm -hmm. and not receiving it, and it's harmful.
1: Well, let's flash to you as a so you find yourself here you. Become a professor. Where were some of the places where you were an instructor? If
2: I I started in Peoria, Illinois. I did. I was going to be a diplomatic secretary, <laughs> but the head of the department came and talked to me and offered me a assistantship to get my master's and teach. Uh huh. And so that's where I started to love teaching. And here are I get into the classroom and there are Korean veterans sitting there and I'm thinking, oh, I'm not going to make it. (laughs) But I just loved it. That's the first, like uh, Jonas will ask me, how did you, you know, love your job? I just fell into it. It it just, you know, life happens why i was going to be a diplomatic secretary and here comes the head of the spanish department and offers me an assistantship so you know he steered me sort of in that way
1: well that's another fork in the road and i think one of the challenges of young people today and maybe you can speak to this is that they have they have so many forks in the road to choose from. Yes. That it's oh, absolutely, I, I think, overwhelming. Like here you thought, oh, I'm going to be a diplomat. And oh, now I'm going to do this. It wasn't like I could do this, 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 this. There's a thousand different things I could do. What could I do? I could live anywhere in the world. I could do it. You know, you, just kind of being present enough to recognize the choice that's in front of you. And then analyzing that choice and, and, and making so that it.
2: Peoria was looking for a Spanish teacher. Even though I didn't have my teacher credential, they hired me. And then I study to get my credential approved Mm -hmm. in illinois and in 63 i came out to california on vacation and i thought why would i be living in chicago
1: (laughs) sorry any listeners from chicago it (laughs) is does get cold there and california and the
2: reason we live in chicago because of the people that have come before us you know you sort of uh, look for your own group, your mm-hmm. own people. To to uh, you, you know them, or you you have acquaintance, and and this is how you form and you stay mm-hmm. and, and and all that.
1: Yeah, and how do so? You, how did you learn all these languages? Just did you formally okay. study them, or M- you just my, knew people? I and? spoke.
2: Um, we had a Russian maid who was, and uh, I don't know, was four years old, five years old, and as I said to to Jonas. Um, I just had that gift from God for languages. I just picked it up very fast. I even made up my own language to speak to my devils. But my father was a linguist. He spoke uh, German. He spoke Russian. He spoke Lithuanian. He spoke Yiddish you know, accent and all that. So he, that's where it's in my genes. Yeah. And this one has a good ear for languages. And so does Kai. You know, so it's, uh-huh. it's, it's passes on for that. Yeah. And that's something that I've always loved.
1: Now, you, you mentioned uh, you, you're, the doll. That, that was one of your cherished possessions. Yes. Do you oh, still collect dolls? My, Is that still a thing for you? My like
2: godfather a... gave me that. Uh-huh. And I, I packed that. I brought that along. And since we're going to America, there were a little girl next door, like I said, in, in the room next door. And I said, well, I'll give her the doll. And I gave her the doll, and in two minutes, the arms were gone, the legs were gone. I was ready oh my to cry. <laughs> <laughs> my precious doll, that uh, was so precious to me, uh-huh. you know.
1: And do you do you still collect dolls? Like, does, is that still a thing for you? It's fine if you don't. I'm just curious.
2: If if I what?
1: Do you collect dolls still? No, no. no. Well,
2: I I do have uh, Lithuanian dolls in, in Lithuanian costume, uh-huh. and I I. Uh, collected those to give to my grandkids so I have given it to Miley and I'm still have another one for Miley and I'm saving one for Kai Uh for his wife or whatever
1: (laughs) now you know you just let the cat out of the bag if that's a secret he's gonna probably (laughs) watch this okay okay. good so you know you've taught for so many years and in the in the short amount of time in the spirit of you go first like we're trying to help people in those choices you know you were at a fork in the road going okay am I going to be a diplomat okay I'll be." and the courage to go first and step into the unknown I think is just overwhelming for people
2: and it just was love at first sight for me and I loved working with high school age and they used to call me mother and so forth and and they had different um Students in PV from different areas. There are some Chinese, some Japanese, some Korean, uh, and some um, uh, Persian students uh, from Iran. And I could work with all those personalities, mm-hmm. and they're different. And also, if I go to bar mitzvah and I hear Hebrew, and I tell told my friend, I said, "What is?" Don't I mean? She says, How do you know that? I said, I heard it. She said, How can you hear it? Yeah. Like I, I used to call the Korean uh, parents at home, and they wouldn't say hello, they say, Yabuseu. I said, Okay, this must be hello. So then I would ask my Korean uh, you know, student, How do I answer to that? Then they say, So now I'm working on Chinese a little bit. <laughs>
1: Wow. Well, you're, you're truly a lifelong learner. You know, you're always embracing uh, like, okay, what am I learning right now? You, you mentioned, and I, I think when you say I love teaching high school, um, as a father of a high schooler, uh, I can tell you there are challenging moments, but there's such, there's something about that age that's so beautiful. I don't want to give the answer to what I appreciate about it, but what would you say you love the most about that age for young people?
2: Just relating to them. And just being there for them because they look for support they look uh, I I have uh, uh, kept all my notes from my students that they have given me at the end of the year mm-hmm. thanking me for something and I think what did I do maybe I just walked by the desk and asked them how would they are today and that's all they wanted and they thought it was so wonderful that I cared for them mm-hmm. and uh, uh, and other episodes I've had, for example, the, the uh, girls would come into the classroom and with the styles that they have nowadays, you know, they're kind of provocative looking, so I would turn up the air conditioner <laughs> and, they say, and they say, Senora Herzog. This it's cold here. I said I know it. There's something wrong with the air conditioning. I said why don't you bring a little jacket?
1: Oh my gosh!
2: So and it's funny. Some of them played on it came in with ski clothes. And uh, (laughs) and I said that's wonderful. That's perfect for this. And then they you would see them leave my classroom and all the jackets would come off. You know I was the only one in the high school of three thousand students.
1: Oh, my gosh. How but proactive. But I loved it. You know, yeah.
2: I was strict. I, did, I was demanding. But I also understood and I was helpful.
1: Mm-hmm. You said something, I think, important. They're, they're looking for that connection. They're yeah. looking for yeah. Yeah. someone. My wife is a, is a nurse at the local school district here. And she tells stories about these these kids that feel like they're just kind of not getting what they need at home exactly. and they're sort of frequent flyers through the exactly. office system and a lot of administrators, go, oh, that's a frequent flyer. And they just sort of put them in a category of high maintenance, but those kids are like, they're, they're crying out for help. Like I need something. I'm not getting somewhere
2: else. You know, we had, uh, teachers in, uh, that
1: no, you're doing great.
2: <laughs> they just would come in and teach. They didn't pay any attention to the yeah. students. And the students are craving for just a one-on-one kind of situation, mm-hmm. and uh, I guess I, I saw the need and I and I loved working with them.
1: Yeah, the mm-hmm. teaching. A friend of mine is just retiring from teaching. Uh, I think two days ago, a couple days ago, was her like, thirty-seven years in teaching, and I asked her, I wanted her to be on the podcast because I think th- these things are tradition. Like here, you taught for fifty years, and there's there's something changing about that. You, yeah. The human spirit needs to know that someone cares about me, that someone's going to support me, Absolutely. someone's there for me. Absolutely. And I think unfortunately, these this generation is challenged with technology, which is such a great asset, but is also a great sort of piece that overwhelms them with like who's there for me? The people who are liking my Instagram and my Facebook and my Snapchat yes. or is a teacher there for me, a parent there for me, a mentor there for me?
2: And, you know, with us, with, uh, what's happening with families and all that, it's hard to give, get, find all that at home. You know? Yeah.
1: It's getting more and more difficult all the time, I think. And yet, you know, we tell the truth, but there's hope. So yeah. what would you say is like your hope for young people? And your, for you, you can even just think of for your own grandkids as you, you know, what is your hope for them?
2: You know, look at both sides. Don't just push one agenda, you know, be listen to other people and uh, you know you weigh on your experience what you have gone through and see what you would like to see just not be all um, one-sided that's uh, you know like I said to Miley I said look at both sides look at both sides of the of the politics mm-hmm. and just choose the, choose the best and be the kindest person you can be mm-hmm. i care and uh nani and and my son are so good as people showing caring i'm so proud of them for that mm-hmm. they're probably, uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, and this is part of the like both sides and i think is one of the most challenging things in life is to truly try to see the world through someone else's perspective yes it's it's one of my like if i could have a wish it'd be to see me through my wife's eyes yeah you know like how yeah. would that be or when you talk about perspective like what is a teacher's perspective now and and the kids and the administrators and the people who have to say we're doing distance learning and where covid has forced us this or whether it's a politician or whether it's a police officer. whether It's like, yes. how do we, and, and it's impossible for us to fully do, but it's a lifelong quest to do that.
2: It is. It is. It just, we'll have to learn and, and, and see what, what will come out and where we end up with this. Mm-hmm. And we're, I'm hoping for the best.
1: Yeah. And, and, it, this, and this is not is enough.
2: America, you know, it's always a good positive thing.
1: You know, I, I appreciate that perspective because, like I say, America isn't who. It's not a politician. It's not a it's not a, a specific tax code or policy or law. It's it's an entity. It's a it's an opportunity. It's and it's changing all the time. And yeah, yes. there are changes that need to yes. be made. And yes. there's good things happening. But but what it's trying to be and it's like heart of hearts of this country is something beautiful that we all contribute to. And,
2: and you know we can we can uh, uh, contribute and um, and add to it. And you cannot do it in other countries. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the only country where you can express your point and you're not going to be jailed or killed or put away for it. Mm -hmm. You can live, you know, they Mm -hmm. give you the opportunity. You don't get that in other
1: countries. And hopefully there's more of those countries out there because that human spirit. Yes. And the journey of life, you know, our our company is Odyssey. It's a journey marked with notable occurrences. And in that this is not enough time for this question. So just hang on a sec here. Okay. Give it. Give me just. Just in a word or a sentence, what are some of the highest points of your life? Like things that you remember, like that was the the happiest day. That was an an amazing moment. And what are some of the lowest points where you just thought, wow.
2: The highest point when I found out I was pregnant. Hmm. And my son was born.
1: That was with our little Jonas? That is
2: my highest point in my life. (laughs) My lowest point was, um, you know, leaving lithuania and going Hmm. through the war and all that at one time my mother and i were in a bomb shelter we came out and everything was level wow you don't know where to go you know all the street signs are gone the buildings are gone it's just all a mess and you have to find your way out wow and that was scary you know we're sitting in the bomb shelters you know it's you hear the bombs going off and it's so scary.
1: That's such a, for me, it's a, it's a metaphor to what is happening right now. You know, we've all been hunkered down and we're starting to come out and we're like, where are the street signs? Where are the things that used to be familiar? Where is that business that's now closed? Where is that, the school that I used to just laugh and play and have all this. And now I have to have my mask on and I have to do this or the business and and we're all trying to find our way together yes and in that lowest point for you that was also what led you to come here yes meet the 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 father of Jonas and you know this high point and it's all connected it's so challenging to embrace the low point knowing that it's a part of the path that gets you to the high points
2: yeah yeah like when I went through the divorce too I told uh, Jonas The only thing that will save us in our relationship is if we're, if we're honest with each other. And we have done that.
1: Hmm. Honesty can be painful and yes, scary for people. True, true, true deep honesty. Yeah. Um.
2: But it's necessary.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, what a privilege to get to sit down with you for just a little bit. I, and
2: thank you. And. Uh, I heard, as I said, you're a wonderful person, and thank you for taking such good care of Jonas and his family. Well, we it, it's greatly, yeah. greatly appreciated. You never know how much.
1: Really. Well, the entire team at Odyssey loves him dearly. Our clients love him. You know, we are a family, and we're you know coming out of the bunker together. It's been a challenging year, I think, for all of us, not only with COVID and all that, but of course trying to love Jonas and Nani as she's faced her her battle with cancer and um and support the kids and of course every we're all connected yeah, in the struggles and that's that we're,
2: wonderful that you're giving that opportunity for you know the families and all that in your business yeah,
1: yeah. well in the spirit of you go first you know you've you've gone first to, to <laughs> create this amazing guy and uh, he contributes so much to odyssey which we're trying to change the world and we're trying to I help people what
2: you're doing is fantastic Wow. Just fantastic.
1: Well, thank you. Oh. To all of our listeners out there, I hope you've enjoyed our conversation today. And the privilege to get to sit down with you and hear a little of your story. I hope you'll come back. Honestly, I want to know more. Thank you. And now that you've taken a chance on this side of the mic, maybe in, t- in traveling home, I know you're going home today. Be, oh, I could have told that story. Or, oh, I wish I had <laughs> oh, said yes, that. of or, course, of course. Um, you know, Ross is in here capturing the magic. And I'm just so thankful to get to finally yeah. well, connect with you and hear more of your story. And thank you very much. You're so welcome. So uh, on behalf of everybody at Odyssey and you go first and stories from the Odyssey. Uh, we appreciate you so much. Thanks for being here. I
2: appreciate you.
1: Yeah.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of You Go First. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you want to listen to another episode, you can find us at yougofirst.live, or you can see more about our host, Lane Hensley, on his Instagram, at one dream chaser. To learn more about his company, Odyssey Teams, Inc., go to odysseyteams.com or follow all their social media channels at Odyssey Teams. Thanks again, and we hope that you will go first to share our podcast with a friend or colleague. Now, you go first.